Hello, welcome to another episode of Just One Episode. Um, this is Violet Shock, and today I'm reading book three of the Odyssey. King Nestor remembers. Or Nestor. I'm gonna go with Nestor. Sounds less like a bird. As the sun sprang up, leaving the br- brilliant waters in its wake, Climbing the broad sky to shower light on immortal gods and mortal men across the plowlands ripe with grain. The ship pulled Pylos, Neleus's story citadel, storied citadel, where the people lined the beaches, sacrificing sleek black bulls to Poseidon, that god of sea blue mane who shakes the earth. They sat in nine divisions, each a hundred, each five hundred strong. Each division offering up nine bulls, and while the people tasted the innards, burning the thigh bones for the god, the craft and crew came heading straight to shore, striking sail, furling it in the balanced ship. They mourned her well, and men swung up on land. Telemachus climbed our last, with Athena far in front, and the bright-eyed goddess urged the prince along. Telemachus, no more shyness. This is not the time. We sailed the seas for this, for news of your father. Where does he lie buried? What fate did he meet? So go right up to Nestor, breaker of forces. Only can yield the secrets of his heart. Press him yourself to tell the whole truth. He'll never lie. The man is far too wise. The prince replied, wise in his own way, too. How can I greet him, mentor? Even approach the king. And barely adept at subtle conversation, someone my age might feel shy what's more. Interrogating an older man. Telemachus, the bright-eyed goddess, Athena assured him. Some of the ones you'll find you'll within yourself. The rest, some power will inspire you to say. You, least of all, I know, were born and reared without the gods' goodwill. And Pallas Athena sped away in the land, and you followed in her footsteps. Man and goddess gained the place where Pelions met and massed. And there in a store among his sons and friends, Friends around him decked the banquet, roasting meat, roasted meats, and skewered the strips for broiling. As soon as they saw the strangers all crowding down, moving them on in, welcome, urging them to sit. Nestor's son, Pisistratus. Dude, that poor kid! Pisistratus. We're going to call him Prince P. Nestor's son, Prince P, first reached them, grasped their hands, and sat them down at the feast on fleecy throws, spread out along the sandbanks, flanking his brother Thrasymedes. Prince T, flanking his brother Prince T and his father. He gave them a share of innards, poured some wine in a golden cup, lifting it warmly towards Athena, daughter of Zeus, whose shield is storm and thunder, greeted the goddess now with an invitation. Say a prayer to the Lord Poseidon, stranger. His is the feast you found on your arrival. But once you made your libation and your prayer, all according to ancient custom, hand this cup of hearty seasoned wine to your comrade there, here so he can pour forth too. He too, I think, should pray to the deathless ones himself. All men need the gods, but the man is younger, just about my age. That is why I give the cup t- gold cup to you first. First to you. With that, Prince P placed in her hand the cup of mellow wine, and Pallas rejoiced the prince's sense of tact in giving the gold wine cup to, first to her. 
At once she prayed intensely to Poseidon. Hear me, sea lord, you who embrace the earth. Don't deny our wishes, bring our prayers to pass. First then, to Nestor and all his sons grant glory, and then to all these Pelians for their splendid rights and grant a reward that warmed their gracious hearts. Alas, Poseidon, grant till I make it to myself safe passage home, the mission accomplished that sped us here in our rapid black ship. So she prayed and brought it all to pass. She offered the rich two-handled cups to Telemachus, Odysseus, and who echoed back her prayer word for word. They roasted the prime cuts, holding off the spits, and cheered out the portions, filled to the royal feast. Once they put aside desire for food and drink, on the state that the noble charioteer began at last. Now's the time, now that I have enjoyed their meal, to probe our guests and find out who they are. Strangers, friends, who are you? Where did you sail from, over the running sea lanes? Out on a trading spree, or roving the waves like pirates? Sea wolves riding at will, who risked their lives for Poised, Telemachus answered, filled with heart, and uh, the heart Athena herself inspired, to ask for the news of his father, gone so long, and to make his name throughout the mortal world. Nestor, son of Nellius, Achaea's pride and joy. Where are... Are we from, you ask? I'll tell you all. We hail from Ithaca, under the heights of Nyon. Our mission here is personal, nothing public now. I am the trail of my father's widespread fame. You see, searching the earth to catch some news of the, the great-hearted King Odysseus, they, who, they say, fought with you to demolish Troy some years ago. About all the rest who fought the Trojans there. We, now, we know where each one died at his wretched death, but father, even his death, the son of Cronus, shrouds it all in mystery. No one can say for certain where he died, or whether, whether he went down on, on land at enemy hands, or out in the open sea in amphitrites breakers. Amphitrites. Or out on the open sea in amphitrites breakers. That's why I've come to plead before you now. If you can tell me about his cruel death, perhaps you saw him die with your own eyes, or heard the wanderer's end from someone else. More than all men, that man was born for, that man was born for pain. Don't soften a, a thing from pity or respect for me. Tell me clearly, all your eyes have witnessed. I beg you, if ever my father, Lord Odysseus, pledged you his word and made it good in action once in the field of, of Troy where you ache and suffered, suffered, remember his story now. Tell me the truth. Nestor the noble charioteer replied at length, Ah, dear boy, since you call back such memories, such a living hell we endured in distant Troy, we had strong fighting forces with Achaea. So many raids from shipboard down the foggy sea, cruising for plunder wherever Achilles led the way. So many battles round King Priam's walls we fought. So many gone, our best and bravest fell. Where Ajax lies, the great man of war, where Achilles lies too, and Patroclus, skilled as the gods in council. And there my own son, both strong and staunch, Antilochus. Lightning on his feet and every inch a fighter. But so many other things we suffered past that count. What mortal in this wide world could tell it all? Not if you sat down and probed his memory. Five, six years, delving for all the pains we, our brave Achaeans bore there. Your patience wouldn't fray. You'd soon head home. Nine years we wove a web of disaster for those Trojans, pressing them hard on every tactic known to man. And only after we slayed did Zeus award us victory. And no one there could hope to rival Odysseus, not for sheer cunning. At every twist of, tra twist of strategy, he excelled us all. Your father, father, yes, if you are, and in fact his son, I look at you in a sense of wonder takes me. 
Your way with words is just like his. I'd swear and no younger could ever, youngster could ever speak like you, so apt, so telling. As long as I and Great Odysseus soldiered there, why, never once did we speak out at odds, neither an open uh, muster, no, nor a royal council, forever one in mind, in judgment balance, in judgment balance, shrewd. We mapped our army's plans so things might turn out best. But then, once, once we'd sacked King Priam's craggy city, Zeus contrived in his heart a fatal homeward run for all Achaeans who are fools, at least dishonest too, so many met a disaster son, thanks to the lethal age of the mighty father's daughter. Eyes of fire, Athena set them feuding. Atreus's two sons, they summoned all the Achaean ranks to muster. Ashley, just at sunset, no hour to rally troops, and in they straggled, sodden with wine, our heroes. The brothers harangued them, told them why they'd met. A crisis, Menelaus urging the men to fix their minds. On the voyage home, across the seas brought back, but it brought no jo no joy to Agamemnon, not at all. He meant to detain us there and offer, vic offer victims. Anything to appease Athena's wrath. wrath. Poor fool. He never dreamed Athena would not comply. The minds of the everlasting gods won't change so quickly. The mind. So the two of them stood there, wrangling back and forth the two plans, split the ranks. That night we barely slept, seething with our hard feelings against our own comrades. For Zeus is brooding over us, poised to seal our doom. At dawn, half of us hauled our vessels down to sea. We stowed our plunder, our smashed and lovely woman, and ha but half the men held back, cramped on the beach, waiting out Agamemnon's next commands while our contingent embarked. We pushed off and sailed at a fast clip as the gods smoothed out the huge... We pushed off and sailed at a fast clip as the gods smoothed out the huge troughing, troughing swells. We reached, we reached Tenotos quickly, sacrificed to the gods. The crews keen for home, but a quick return was not in Zeus's plans. Not yet. That cruel power loose to cruel feud feud on us once again. Some swung their rolling warships hard about. Odysseus sailed them back, the flexible willy king. Veering over to Agamemnon now to shore his fortunes up. But not I. Missing the ships that came in my flotilla. Flotilla or flotilla? I'm just going to call it. Massing the ships that came in my float, I sped away as the gods' mischief kept on brewing, dawning on me now. Antidius's fighting son, Diomedes, fled too, rousing all his comrades. Late in the day, red-haired Menelaus joined us, overtook us at Lesbos, debating the long route home whether to head north over the top of Rakechias, skirting Skirting Syri, keeping that in inland off to port, or run south of Ios by Minos's gusty gate, gusty cape. We asked the god for a sign. He showed us one. Now just to cut out the middle passage, straight off to you, Euboea, Euboea now. Escape a catastrophe, fast as we could sail. The shrilling wind came up, stiff, driving us on and on we raced over the sea lanes, rifle with fish. We made the 
grossed this point in the dead of night. Many thighs of bulls we offered beside him there. Thank God we crossed that endless rage of sea. And then on the fourth day, out of the cruise of Diomedes, break our forces. Moored their ship, balanced ships at Argos's port, but I held a course for Pylos, yes. Never once did the good strong wind go limp on the first day the god unleashed its blast. And so, dear boy, I made it home from Troy, in total ignorance, knowing nothing of their fates, the ones who stayed behind, who escaped with their lives, and who went down. But still, all I've gathered by hearsay, sitting here in my own house, that you'll learn is it's only right. I'll hide nothing now. They say the Myrmidons, mer those savage spearmen led by the shining son of lion-hearted Achilles, traveled home unharmed. Philo... Philo I'm just going to call him Phil. Phil, the gallant son of Poias, safe as well. Idomeneus brought his white Hulk, brought his whole contingent back to Crete. All who had escaped the war, he snatched none from him. But Atreus' son, Agamemnon, you yourselves, even in far off, far off Ithaca, must have heard how he returned. How I guess this hatched the king's horrendous death. What a price he paid in blood and suffering. Ah, oh, how fine it is when a man is brought down to leave a son behind. Orestes took revenge. He killed that cunning murderous Aegisthus, who's killed his famous father. And now, my friend, how tall and handsome I see you now. Be brave, you too, so men will sing your praises down the years. Telemachus, weighing the challenge closely, answered, O Nestor, son of Amelius, Achaeus' pride and glory. What a stroke of revenge that was. All Achaeans will spread the Orestes fame, will spread Orestes' fame across the world. A song for those to come. If only the gods would arm me in such power, I'd take revenge on the lawless brazen suitors riding roughshod over me, plotting reckless outrage. But for me, the gods have spun out no such joy. Through my father and myself, I must bear up. That's all. An old charioteer replied, Now that you mention it, dear boy, I do recall a mob of suitors, they say. But it's your mother in, their own ha in your own house, against your will, and plots your ruin. Tell me, though, do you let yourself be so abused, or do people around about, staring at the fronting of some god, despise you now? Who knows if he will return some day to take revenge on all their violence, single-handed, perhaps, or with an Argive army at his back? If only the Brydian goddess chose to love you just as she lavished care on the brave Odysseus years ago, in the land of Troy where we Achaeans struggled. I've never seen the immortals show so much more affection than as Pallas openly showed him standing by your father. If only she'd favor you, tend to you with all her heart, many a suitor would then would lose all thought of the marriage blotted out forever. Never, your majesty, Telemachus countered gravely. Will that ever come to pass, I know. What you say dumbfounds me. Stacker's imagination. Hope. Hope as I will. That day will never dawn. Not in the gods should will it so. Telemachus! Pallas Athena broke sharply, her eyes as a fire. It's this nonsense slipping through your teeth. It's light work for a willing god to save a mortal, even half the world away. Myself, I'd rather sail through years of trouble and labor home and see, to, and see that blessed day than hurry home 
Now I'm going to die at my own hearth like Agamemnon, killed by, a, I guess, this is cunning, by his own wife, by the great leveler. But the great leveler, death, not even the gods can defend a man, not even one they love, that last, that day when fate takes hold and lays him out at last. Mentor, wise Telemachus said, the straws we are for him, let's speak of this no more. My father's return? It's inconceivable now. Long ago the undying gods have sealed his death, his black doom. But now there's another question I would put to Nestor. Nestor excels all men for sense and justice. His knowledge of all the world, three generations he has ruled, they say. And to my young eyes, he seems a deathless god. Nestor son of Nelius, tell me the whole story. How did the great king Agamemnon meet his death? Where is Menelaus? What fatal trap did he set? That treacherous Agisthus. To bring down a man far, far stronger than himself. Was Menelaus gone from Achaean Argos, roving the world somewhere, so the coward found the nerve to kill the king? Nolan Nestor, the noble chariot, here replied, Gladly, my boy, I'll tell you the story first to last. Right you are. You guess what would happen if red-haired Menelaus, arriving back from Troy, had found, I guess, this alive in Agamemnon's palace? No borrow piled high on the earth for his dead body. No, the dogs and birds would have feasted on his corpse. Sprawling in plains outside the city gates, and no one, no woman in all of Achaia, would have wept a moment. Such a monstrous crime the man committed. But there we were, camped at Troy, battling out the, hard, the long, hard campaign when he, he, he at his ease, uh, well, he had his ease at home in the depths of Argos, stallion country. He lay siege to the wife of Agamemnon, luring, enticing her with talk. At first, true, she spurned the idea of such an outrage. Clytemnestra the queen, her will was faithful still. And there a man, what's more, a bard close by, to whom Agamemnon, setting sail for Troy, gave strict commands to guard his wife. But then, on the day the doom of the gods had bound her to surrender, I guess the ship the bard away to a desert island ruined him there, Sleep price for the birds of prey, and swept her off to his own house, love lust, lover lusting for lover. And many thigh bones he burned on the gods' holy altars, many gifts he hung on the temple walls, gold, brocades, and, and thanks for a conquest past his maddest hopes. Now we, you see, were sailing home from Troy in the same squadron, Menelaus and I, comrades in arms for him, years of war. But uh, as we surrounded the, the Lord... Lord Apollo attacked Atreides' helmsman, yet I, with his gentle shafts, he shot the man to death. An iron grip on the tiller, the craft scuttling fast. Prophrontus, uh, one door son, who excelled all men alive at steering ships when gales bore down in fury. Semenula, straining to stay alone, was held back till he could bury his mate with fitting reins. Once he'd gone off too, planning the wine dark sea, in his ribbed ships, and made a run to Melia's beetling cape, beetling cape, forcing Zeus to side and give the man rough sailing. For a hurricane down upon him, shrilling winds, giant, nearing white camps, mount, monstrous mountain high. There, at a stroke, he cut the fleet in half and drove one wing to Crete, where Sidonians Sindon make their homes uh, along the yard. Iardonis River. Now there's a sheer cliff plunging steep to the surf at the farthest edge of 
Gordon. Gorton. Out on the Mispansy. In the south wind piles breakers. Huge breakers left on the land, headlands horn. Toward Feastros. With only a low reef to block the crushing tides. And they sailed their bare and bare. Nearly escaped their death. The ship's crews, that is. The rollers smashed their hulls against the rocks. Then as for the other five with pitch-black prows, the wind and currents slipped them on toward Egypt. Smenulus, amassing a hoard of stones and gold, stores and gold, was off cruising his ships to foreign ports to call, of call while Agathus launched his vicious work at home. Hatched his vicious work at home. Seven years he lorded, lorded over him Mycenae, rich in gold, once he killed Agamemnon. He ground the people down, but the eighth year ushered it in his ruin, Prince Orestes. Home from Athens, yes, he caught him down, that cunning, murderous Agisthus who killed his famous father. Vengeance son, he held a feast for the Argives to bury his hated mother, craven Agisthus too. The, the very day Menelaus arrived, the lord of the war cried, Freedom with all the wealth his ships could carry. So you, dear boy, take care. Don't row from home too long, too far, leaving your own holdings unprotected. Crowds in your palace so brazen, they'll carve up all your wealth, devour it all, and then your journey here will come to nothing. Still, I advise you, urge you to visit Menelaus. He's back from abroad at last, from people so removed that you might abandon hope of ever returning home. Once the winds had driven off that far course into a sea so vast not even cranes could wing their way in one year's flight. So vast, so awesome. So, off you go with your ships and shipmates now, or if you'd rather go by land, here, there's team and chariot. My son's at your service too, and they'll escort you to sunny Lacedaemon, home of the red-haired king. Press him to t yourself to tell the whole truth. He'll never lie. The man is far too wise. So he closed the sunset, and darkness swept across the earth, and the brightest God's palace spoke for all. There was a tale, old soldier, so well told. Come, cut out the victim's tongues and mix the wine. Once we've poured libations out to the sea lord, and every other god will think of sleep. High time, the light's already sunk in the western shadows. It's wrong to linger at, a god's feast. at the god's feast. We must be on your way. Zeus's daughter. They all hung closely on every word she said. Harold sprinkled the water over their hands for rinsing, and the young men brimmed the mixing bowls with wine. They tipped mm, earth's drops in the for the god in every cup, then poured full rounds for all. They rose and flung the victim's tongues on the fire and poured libations out. When they poured and drank to their heart's content, Athena and Prince Telemachus both started up to head for their ship at once. But Nestor held them there, objecting strongly. Zeus forbid, and the other deathless uh, gods as well, that you resort to your ship and put my house behind, like a rank paupers without a stitch of clothing, no piles of rugs, no blankets in this, pla in this place, for hosts and guests to slumber, soft and comfort. Why, I've got plenty of rugs and blankets here. No, by God, the true son of my good friend Odysseus won't bed down on a ship's deck, not while I'm alive, or my sons are left at home to host our guests. Whoever comes to our palace... Newfound friends. Dear old man, you're right, Athena exclaimed, her eyes breaking now. 
Tell him I should oblige you. Much the better way. Let him follow you now. Sleep in your halls. But I'll go back to trim our black ship. Hurt in the crew and give each man his orders. I'm the only veteran in their ranks, I tell you. All the rest of an age with brave Telemachus are younger men who sailed with him as friends. I'll bed down there by the dark hole tonight. At dawn, push off for the proud Calconians. Those people only had long overdue. But, uh, and no mean some, believe me. But you, seeing my friend is now your guest, speed him on his way with a chariot and your son, and give him the finest horses that you have. Good for stamina, train to race the wind. With that, the bright-eyed goddess winged away in eagle's form in flight. Amazement fell on all the Achaeans there. The king, astonished by what he'd seen, grasped Telemachus' hand and cried out to the prince. Dear boy, never forget you'll be a ne Dear boy, never fear you'll be a coward or defenseless. Not if at your young age the gods will guard you so. All of all who dwell on Olympus, the this was none but she, Zeus's daughter, the glorious one, his third-born, who prized your gallant father among the Argives. Now, O queen, be gracious. Give us high renown, myself, my children, my loyal wife and queen. And I will make you a sacrifice, a yearling heifer, broad on the brow, unbroken. Never yoked by man, I'll offer it up to you. I'll sheathe its horns in gold. So he prayed, and Pallas Athena heard his prayer, and Nestor, the noble chariot driver, led them on, his sons and sons-in-law, back to his regal palace. Once they had reached their storied halls of the the aged king they sat on rows of low and high-backed chairs as they arrived the old man mixed them all a bowl stirring the hearty wine seasoned eleven years before a servant broached it loosed its seal bowling in the hid in the bowl old nestor poured a libation out praying hard to Pallas athena daughter of zeus whose shield the storm and thunder once they had poured their offerings drunk their fill the pillions went to rest, each in his own house. But the noble chariot driver, like Alamachus, King Odysseus' son, sleep at the palace now, on a corded bed inside the echoing col colonnade, with Prince 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 P close beside him there. The young spearman, already captain of armies, though the last son's the last one still unwed within the halls. The king retired to his chambers and deep in his lofty house where the queen, his wife, arranged his bed. When the young dawn with her rose-red fingers shone, shone once more, old master, the noble chariot driver, climbed from bed and out and took his seat on the polished stones, a bench glistening white, rubbed with glossy oil, Placed the king before his looming doors. There, Nellius held his sessions years ago. A match for the gods in council. But his fate had long since forced him down to death. Now royal and Nestor, now royal and Nestor in turn, Achaean's watch and ward, sat there holding the scepter while his sons, coming out from their chambers, clustered around him, hovering near. Ek. Ek. Kephron, Stradius, Perseus, and Aratus, Thrasymedes, like a god, and sixth, young lord Pisistratus, Prince B, 
Okay, Prince P is Bisistratus, but that's hard to say and also sounds wrong, so he's Prince P. Came So it's Echephron, Stradius, Perseus, Eratus, Thrasymedes, and Prince P, who came to join their ranks. They escorted Prince Telemachus to sit beside them. Nestor, noble charioteer, began the celebration. Quickly, my children, carry out my wishes now, so I may please the gods. Athena, first of all, she came to me at Poseidon's flowing feast. Athena in all her glory. Now someone go to the fields to fetch a heifer. Bring, lead her near once. A herdsman drive her in. Now someone hurry down to Telemachus' black ship and bring up all his crewmen. Leave just two behind. And tell another, another tell our goldsmith the skill. Larissus, to come and sheathe the heifer's horns in gold. The rest stay here together. Tell the maids inside the hall to prepare a sumptuous feet. Bring saints and firewood. Bring pure water, too. Hale pitched in to carry out his orders. The heifer came in from the field. The crewman came from Brave Telemachus' ship. And the smith came in with all his gear in hand. The tools of his trade, the anvil, hammer, and well-wrought tongs, well tongs he used for working gold. And Athena came as well to attend her sacred rites. The old horseman passed the gold to the smith. Eh. Eh. The twinning and twinning the foil, he sheathed in the heat of his horns so the goddess eyes might not as well delighted with the gift. <sighs> Next, Stradius and Hecaphron led the beast by the horns. Eratus, coming up from the storeroom, brought them a lustral water filled with golden braided flower braided bowl. bowl. In his other hand, the barley in, the ba- in a basket. Thrasymedes, stalked in combat, stood ready, wetted his ass- axe and his grass to cut the heifer down, and Perseus held the basin for the blood. Now Nestor, the old charioteer, began the rite, pouring the lustral water, scattering barley meal. He lifted up his ardent prayers to Pallas Athena, launching the sacrifice, flinging onto the fire the first tufts of hair from the victim's head. Prayer said, scowling, burling, strewn. Suddenly, Nestor's son, Impedius Thrasymedes, strode up and close and struck. Next, chop, chopped the next tendons through, and the blow stunned the heifer's strength. Women stifled their cry. Nestor's daughter's sons, wives, and his own loyal wife, Eurydice, Cleanius's eldest daughter, then. Then, hoisting up the victim's head from the trampled earth, they held her fast, and the captain of Pisistratus slashed her throat. Dark blood gushed forth, life ebbed from her limbs. They quartered her quickly, cut the thigh bones out, and all according to custom, wrapped them around in fat, and double fold sliced clean and topped with strips of flesh. And the old man burned these over dried built wood, and over the fire poured out glistening wine. 
while a young man at his side held five pronged forks. Once they burned the bones and tasted the organs, they sliced the rest in pieces, spitted them on skewers, and raised the points to the fire, boiling, broiling all the meats. During the ritual of lovely Polycastidae, youngest daughter of Nestor's son, Neleus, had made Telemachus, rinsing him off now, rubbed him down with oil. She drew a shirt and handsome cape around him. Out of his bath he stepped, glistening like a god, strode in and sat by the old commander Nestor. Nestor. They surrounded the prime cuts, pulled them off with the spits, and sat down to the feast while ready stewards saw to rounds of wine and kept the gold cups flowing. When they put aside desire for food and drink, Nestor, the noble charioteer, issued orders. Hurry, my boys, bring Telemachus' horses, a good full man team. Hitch them to a chariot. He must be off at once. They listened closely, snapped to his commands, and hitched a rapid team to a chariot's yoke in haste. Housekeeper stowed some bread and wine aboard, and meats too. Meats too. Where did it go? Food fit for the sons of kings. Telemachus vaulted onto the splendid chariot. Right beside him, Nestor's son, Prince P, captain of armies, boarded, seized the reins, and whipped the team to a run. And on the horses flew, holding nothing back, out into the uh, out into open country, leaving the heights of Pylos fading in their trail, shaking the yoke across their shoulders all day long. The sun. The sun sank, and the roads of the world grew dark as they reached Pharaoh, pulling up to Diocles' halls. The son of Ortolocus, son of the Alpheus River, he gave them a royal welcome. There they slept the night. When young Don rose with, young Don with her rose-red fingers shone once more, they oaked the pair again and mounted the blazing car and out through the gates and echoing colonnade, they whipped the team to run, and on they flew, holding nothing back, the pr- and the princes reached the wheatlands, straining now for a journey's end. So fast those purebred stallions raced them on as the sun sank and the roads of the world grew dark. Well, that ends book three. King Nestor Remembers.